and this is the podcast, Go Be Great. There's no such thing as TMI here, so let's chat, meet amazing humans, and have conversations about life, confidence, and more without the filter. Come hang weekly as I shed light on the topics we often feel we need to hide as we celebrate the ebbs and flows of learning what being great really looks like. Buckle up, buttercups, and let's go be great together. This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hello, hello. Welcome back, baddies. I am so glad you're here. Today's topic, I'm really just going to kind of dive right in. So let's get our goggles and our mermaid fins and get ready to go. Because this topic has been probably the most requested topic aside from body image stuff. And today we're going to be talking about narcissists. I'm going to be talking about my experience with one, maybe some. Um, And... We're just going to talk about, I can't tell you how to come out of it because everyone's journey is so different, but I am going to tell you what you can be aware of and maybe resources or things to acknowledge, all the things. So we are going to just get into it. I'm going to try and keep this as concise and straightforward as I possibly can. I wanted to wait on this episode because um, a part of Body Bliss that I co-authored was about this and I really wanted to give as many people the opportunity to read it first as I possibly could before I kind of started talking about these things and my experiences in this realm because I think it's very important to hear my experience in the chronological way in which it kind of built up and happened. So if you haven't read that part of Body Bliss yet, I highly recommend it. If not, you're going to learn some stuff now. There's going to be some stuff in this episode that definitely aren't in the book because I didn't want to make the whole chapter that I had about a narcissist. You know what I'm saying? It's about me, boo. So, um, yeah, I just felt like it was important to give people that opportunity to have that perspective first. So let's all take a deep cleansing breath, shall we? This is kind of a heavier episode. Um, and I hope that the, let's take a deep breath first. I'm getting ahead of myself. See, I'm not even doing one thing at a time. I need it. Deep breath in through the mouth or in through the nose, out through the mouth, (sighs) unclench your jaw, relax your shoulders, especially if you are coming to this episode with holding tension I very much urge you to pause and do what you need to do to try and come with as much of an open heart and an open mind as you can because some of these things are going to be extremely hard truths that I was hit with and I know need to be heard in order to make a change. So here we go. So I'm going to start off by saying I am not a doctor. (laughs) I am not claiming to be. I am simply sharing what I have learned through personal development and therapy and my own lived experience to hopefully help you maybe guide yourself on your own personal journey or things to be aware of that maybe you weren't before. Okay. So narcissist personality disorder. Now we hear this a lot more. It's kind of becoming one of those mainstream things that we throw around just like gaslighting, just like self-love. You hear you're a narcissist. Like it's just very fleeting and used very freely. And I don't think it should be because it is very specific. And although there are a lot of layers to it and a lot of personality traits that somebody can have, it, it is a diagnosed personality disorder. Okay. So off the top, no narcissist is ever going to wonder if they're a narcissist. They aren't going to think they are. (laughs) You are not going to be able to maybe convince them otherwise, nor is it your job. So some things to maybe be aware of are big red flags. I'm going to talk about red flags a lot, but the biggest ones are somebody who takes zero ownership. There's a lot of projection. 
of their own wounds and insecurities onto you. And they can also be in many forms. Although I'm going to be talking primarily from a relationship, like a romantic relationship, there are friends. I'm also going to touch on a friend narcissist situation. And they can be in any type of relationship. It's not necessarily just romantic. Although that might be the focus of what a lot of people experience, it's not necessarily the only one. So that's something that I think is important. And narcissists are not born that way. They are created. And they are the most wounded people in the world from trauma. That might be dramatic, but it's usually from trauma and it's rooted in a way that creates them. It's not, they're not born that way. We're not, it's not Lady Gaga's born this way. You know what I'm saying? So we all have these projector or protector parts. The protector parts are the parts of ourselves. Sorry if you hear Bruno in the background barking, but they are the parts of ourselves that protect us from things that might otherwise be harmful or hurtful or seen as a dangerous thing to feel. So instead, they have these protector parts that come up and they can be abusive. They can be very, they're not usually very helpful at first until we work through them. Okay. So these protector parts soften the blow of the painful things that might happen. But a narcissist protects themselves with gaslighting, control, and manipulation. Those are usually the top three. Gaslighting, control, and manipulation. They are abusive, reactive, and which Intel makes them very self-destructive and any type of relationship you could possibly try and have with them also destructive. There is no way to have a healthy relationship with a narcissist. So I'm going to be like popping back and forth between my personal experience and what I wanted to kind of share and what I've learned. And I did not know I was dealing with a narcissist until deep into therapy. Like that word was not brought up immediately um we can have compassion and understanding without excusing these abusive behaviors so although I want to lead with compassion and lead with understanding I don't want it to be misinterpreted that I am trying to make an excuse for a narcissist because there is none and ultimately someone's actions are someone's actions and they deserve to be held accountable and whether that means you distancing yourself from them or not It's just, I'm just giving the facts here because it is a diagnosed behavior disorder. So there is no healed version of a narcissist either. So when you are with somebody who's a narcissist or a friend who is, there's no fixing them. They they truly do not and will not ever have the cape so far um, that we know in history to ever have the capabilities to have a healthy relationship with other humans. At least some type of deep-rooted connection for sure. Um, This is where I was thrown into like needing to realize that I can't people please or submissive myself, submissive, submiss, you know what I'm saying. I can't be submissive enough to make somebody else want to be better. If anything, my blessings that I have in life and maybe your blessings that you have in life kind of heighten the abuse of narcissists because they want ultimately are wounded with what you have. So for example, I was coming from an extremely close and loving family and extremely close and loving friends. And because those wounded parts of somebody else that I was with was so deeply rooted in their childhood trauma that because I had those things, a narcissist is going to want to rob me of them or isolate me from them. And that's exactly what he did. He isolated me from every close relationship that I had or saw a healthy relationship 
and saw it as threatening to him in a way where a healed version of me was his worst nightmare because in a way the things that were wounding him a people pleaser would would help you know fuel that and feed that in them those unhealed parts of him just like a narcissist is going to fuel and feed those unhealed parts of a people pleaser. So you become extremely connected and codependent in that way because both of the wounded and unhealed parts of each other are fueling off of each other. And it's like you're feeding this beast over and over and over again. And when it goes both ways, you're just putting gasoline to a fire, essentially. I do have my notes here, so I want to make sure I'm kind of staying on, on topic a bit. So essentially... Thinking that you have can have a healing relationship or a healthy relationship with someone who's a narcissist or thinking you can change this person will only lead you to questioning your own worth, which ends in isolating us from ourselves even further. So it's the ultimate form of self-abandonment from for somebody who is a people pleaser or who is needing that external validation from somebody in order to feel worthy of love and feel like you're enough or even just be a comfort zone of somebody's, you will only be isolating yourself further from yourself and further from the other people that you love. And it's the biggest form of self-abandonment. I was isolated from my friends and family. Like I said, it got to the point where I felt like such a failure if I admitted what was going on that I felt immense shame and guilt for what I had endured and knowing that I was raised better and knowing that I should have known better. Like these were the things that were running through my mind. I was raised better than this. I was loved better than this. I, from my family and from my friends, I should have known that these things weren't healthy and were red flags to be aware of. However, narcissists know what they're doing. And we're going to get into the red flags in just a second. But I just want to kind of gain a little bit of perspective for you as to where I was coming from. Um, my self-confidence was non-existent. I was showing up in life only to keep the peace in others, which was making a war within myself. I had to feel like I, in order to keep the peace with this person I was with, we're going to call him Chaz. I called him Chaz in Body Bliss, and that just feels like the right name. Um, in order to keep the peace, I felt like I had to answer all the calls and do all the things and pay for all the things. I needed to be everything to this person, which left me nothing to myself. So ultimately, I was playing a game I could never win. He preyed on my lack of self-esteem and people-pleasing tendencies because I had those tendencies because I didn't feel worthy and until I proved how great I could be. So for a narcissist to look at a people-pleaser, they're looking at that like, ooh, this is my prey. Like, I can get what I need from this person because this person is going to try and prove how great they can be. And that's exactly what I did. Like, oh, you, don't th you think that uh, you're not healthy for me? Well... Let me prove to you how great I can be. Let me show you how understanding and compassionate and loving I can be. Let me show you how happy I can make you. Which, that was a game I was never going to win. I was setting myself to, up to lose. Um, he would constantly say things that made me eventually question my own judgment, my thoughts, and my, I lost my own internal compass. It was completely shattered to bits. And he would tell me these stories that were so outlandish and make accusations. And whenever I would try and question something in a very natural way, like a, a normal or typical conversation would go, it would constantly be flipped on me as if I was the problem and how dare I question him or speak to him that way. So it made me question my own reality. I wasn't really... I was so swept up in all of the lies and all of the elaborate stories that were being told, even about normal day-to-day -day things like your day at work 
or like how was class or something that happened on campus like these elaborate stories would just be told that when I would like ask a question and volley it back to him it was met with very much a lot of aggression a lot of aggression a lot of questioning which made me in turn question myself but I'm hearing these stories and I'm thinking this can't be true right like you didn't just you know save this puppy from the street or you know you didn't just find this large amount of money on campus and then go on this manhunt to find somebody and that's why you missed class like they were the weirdest stories to me that they just didn't make sense but in the end of all of these stories when I when he knew that I was starting to doubt the truth of it all he would somehow make it that he was the hero of the story and then I would just be left too confused to question anything further so it would just keep happening all the time especially behind closed doors Mostly, I should say, behind closed doors. So some red flags that you can be looking for. The biggest one is love bombing, which I think love bombing is the first step into getting somebody roped in. Like picture it. I love a good metaphor. Picture it like a lasso. (laughs) And in order to get that whatever you're trying to get, you need to be lassoed in first. And love bombing is ultimately the, the biggest way to do it because somebody who is looking for that love externally or who is needing that validation from anybody because they can't find it within themselves, love bombing is giving what that person thinks that they need because it's fueling and quote-unquote healing those parts that you need. It's fueling that ego. It's fueling those, those feelings of doubt. And they're typically probably going to be wanting to make these elaborate plans. Or And this is where I think love bombing is also true in friendships. So... Love bombing in a friendship might look like they're constantly getting you gifts, for example. If you feel like somebody is constantly just get when things are a little bit tumultuous, you get a gift randomly. Or when you are feeling like there's some tension and then your birthday's coming up and there's like an elaborate gift giving and they are expecting you to just drop to your knees and give tears of gratitude. Like those, all of those things are big red flags. If someone says, all of my exes are crazy they're all just nuts don't worry about them or they have such crazy I don't like to use the word crazy too much but I'm using air quotes um very elaborate or maybe dramatic stories with their ex um saying I love you so early in a relationship like a few months in if they start dropping that l word that's usually a red flag too they'll want to move things along more quickly if they're rude to like wait staff in restaurants or because they want to seem like they have the upper hand and that's how they show their control in those little moments like dealing with the public or starting to make comments about how how you look or how you dress trying to gain those little moments of control where they can get the upper hand over any type of insecurity or self-doubt you might have they'll start to say things about your friends and family whenever oh this is the biggest one whenever I would have plans with friends and family like I said before those were blessings in my life that I know he didn't receive. Chaz was struggling with that in his childhood trauma. So because I had that, that was something that he needed to to deconstruct and just blow up, right? So whenever I'd have plans with friends or family, that week, it was usually a very high intense week. A lot of aggression, a lot of short-tempered 
behaviors, like sparks and anger, a lot of more conflict than usual. And I didn't, again, I didn't know any of this until I started therapy and started tracking for myself in a journal what type of patterns I was started to see or what the day was like. And then I would bring my journal to therapy and we would go over, like, if I noticed any patterns in behavior, what was preceding that, what was happening after that, like, what would it look like? And we just unpacked it together, which I think is very helpful to do. So, Side note, if you're somebody who thinks that maybe you are with a narcissist, I suggest tracking just what the day looked like or what conflict had looked like for you that day because typically a day doesn't go by without it when you are with somebody that is a narcissist. So the week leading up to any plans I might have, um, he would start making me feel bad about the upcoming plans, like make me feel guilty that maybe he would be alone or if that didn't work, then it would escalate to threatening to do something destructive to himself or the relationship if I chose to go, which or would cause an argument directly before I went. If I did end up going, typically the threatening to do something destructive to himself or the relationship would have been enough to make me not go. But if I did try and go to these events with people that I loved that have loved me for years, it would usually be a big blow up right before I was supposed to go. And then I would either spend my time messaging him or answering his calls. And then I would just end up isolating myself from those experiences because he was pulling me away to go answer phone calls. Or, you know, would would call me or leave me a voicemail just to tell me that he was going to go get drunk and cheat and then hang up. Which often did happen. Like, those things did There was follow-through to those threats, which made me even more isolated from the people that I loved. So they want control. Because in order to fuel their desires, they need to be in control or have the upper hand, which is why making rude comments to staff members at restaurants or anyone really in the public or even about them, even if it's just private behind closed doors with the two of you, any time that they can find the ability to have the control over a situation or feel like they have the alpha upper hand by any means, then they'll take it. So ultimately, they're projecting their pain outwardly for somebody else to act a certain way like people pleasing or self-doubt. However, those abusive parts become their entire personality and sense of self, and you cannot get past that. That is the part that you want to break down. Like you're like, oh, they just have a hard personally, I would think. They just ha- he just has a really, you know, tough life and tough childhood and a lot of trauma. And I just need to get past this, this wall that he has built. And you can't do that with a narcissist. There is nothing past there because that pain has completely consumed them and made their entire personality because those protector parts, that manipulating, gaslighting, and control, and coercive, like, thoughts are their entire personality and you cannot get past that wall. So if you're listening this far and you feel like you can acknowledge that you are, in fact, connected to a narcissist in some way, then you're already further ahead than you think you are. Because it took me a very, like, years to get to the point where I was understanding the situation that I was actually in. Because I think as people who want to see the best in others and a people pleaser, I often will question myself or, or feel like that's mean to point the finger and call someone a narcissist because it's been so um, stigmatized in society But it is, it just is what it is. Like, that is the name of the personality disorder. So calling somebody that and knowing that you're 
actually with somebody who is narcissist isn't does not make you a bad person. And if you feel like you're connected to anything I've shared or a lot of what I've shared, I should say, then you can admit that for yourself and you're already ahead of the game. Because I'm telling you, trying to have an understanding and learning about the situation I was actually in was half the battle. Truly was half the battle. So once you're able to acknowledge it and become aware of it, your protector parts, how you have protected yourself and how those parts of you have played a role, it helps you make a decision on how truly deeply you can get honest with yourself because that person that you have your connection with will literally not change and in most cases the more you heal and the more work you do on yourself will only increase those abusive behaviors in a narcissist because they're going to constantly try and combat you in getting that upper hand and feeling like they have that control so if they're starting to feel like your healing is causing them to have less control then it's only going to cause more tumultuous relationship circumstances for you moving forward so the parts of us that have been fed by a narcissist just like they're fed by us which makes it codependent once you're aware of those wounds and you start making steps to heal yourself you can start to distance yourself slowly (laughs) very slowly because practicing self-awareness is one thing but self-awareness without taking action is self-abandonment because if you're not taking action on it and you're aware of it you're abandoning yourself every time you become aware of it Your nervous system just needs to be re-regulated because it's been so used to dysregulation and trauma response. That's what you've been living in when you are with somebody that's a narcissist. So you start to become addicted to that chase because you feel the need to change or morph into this person that is literally impossible to attain because nothing you do is going to make this person happy and healthy. I started, when I was in the depths of it, I was drinking more. I was taking metabolism boosters and drinking um, to be the literal physical smallest person I could possibly be because I was told my body needed to change in all of these ways. And maybe if you were smaller, I would be treating you better. And when you're doing all that while drinking, it's just, it's asking for blowups. I was emotionally eating because those were the mechanisms that were I was using to protect myself and numb out. Those were not healthy protectors. I like to call them protectors because um, I did learn this on We Can Do Hard Things. I know I mentioned that a lot, but also I've talked about it in therapy. They have been talked about as my protectors because it's a way of kind of, yes, taking ownership and accountability for your behaviors and, and the parts of you that are not serving you, but it's not... It's, you're able to approach it more in a, in a way that doesn't bring shame because they're just parts of you that have been helping you survive this far. And how, let's just take a moment, I'm going to say that one more time, because these parts of you, although they have not been serving you in a healthy way, are the parts of you that have been your survival tactics up until this point. So when you start to heal and you become aware of them, you can thank them. Thank you for doing what you needed to do to get me here to where I am now. And then once you realize it, let them go. And know that it doesn't have to be like this anymore. You don't have to show up in life like this. And you don't have to lose yourself and isolate yourself because you're never going to make this person happy. You're never going to make them learn. You're never going to make them have a healthy relationship because they're not going to have a healthy relationship with you because they can't have a healthy relationship with themselves. And they're not going to have a healthy relationship with a single other human being. A narcissist might not want you to go to therapy 
or make fun of you for going. So in my experience, I was told you should go to therapy so you can work on these things because in order for him to have the upper hand, he needed to prey on what I was struggling with and I would take the blame every single time. Mostly, it started out, I would just take the blame and just take it because I didn't want to have the argument anymore. But then it started to become belief within myself. Just like anything else, the more you tell yourself, the more it becomes a belief. Um, The more I was told I was the problem and the less capacity I had to put up the fight about it, I would just believe it. So at first I was told to go to therapy. Then when I started going to therapy... It was made fun of because when I started learning things and wanted to try and have conversations with him, it was like, oh, it would just be dismissed and made fun of because God forbid you heal, bitch. If you heal, they know that they don't stand a chance in remaining in your life or getting fed by your unhealthy protectors. So oftentimes you can realize this in therapy, too that they don't want you to grow it was not your fault it is not your fault you will not heal them but your healing is extremely attainable when you start becoming aware of the things that have maybe tried to protect you but have shown up in your relationship in ways that have fueled this fire you can help put out your own fire in that way and your healing is very attainable because you just need to re-regulate your nervous system Help the healing, obviously, in in the things that you need um, to change in your trauma responses. But you can re-regulate your nervous system when you get out of the cycle of abuse and needing to feel like you're in a constant trauma response because that's essentially what you are in, even if you don't realize it, when you're with somebody who's a narcissist. You can only heal so much if you stay because if you become aware and you start to heal but you're staying in this relationship, you will never fully heal. Because your nervous system is constantly dysregulated. You are in a constant cycle of abuse and needing to be in a constant state of a trauma response. So the power to heal is within you. You can only distance yourself and get yourself out of the situation when you fully choose to heal. When you choose your healing and yourself over the relationship, that's when you make the biggest change of your life. And essentially, you kind of need to hit a rock bottom. I know I did. And it was a very, it was a series of rock bottoms. I was in thousands of dollars of debt, which I held a lot of shame for. And I had that debt to try and keep my head above water. I was throwing money at a situation that wasn't healthy either. So I was just trying to buy things to make myself feel better, to make somebody else feel better. And I just got myself in a really bad situation. I'm a teacher, guys. I don't make. I'm not in that profession for the money. Let's put it that way. I think we all know this. So being able to bring light to those things and actually talk to the people like my parents and my family and my friends and just finally take that mask down. Ultimately, more healing came from having conversations with them where I felt held and heard and loved because I didn't feel those things in that relationship. I knew that. I knew that I wasn't, when I started to realize I wasn't going to get anywhere, I was not going to be loved the way I deserved to be loved. I was not going to actually know what love felt like in that relationship. And I needed to really just do it for myself. You just have to say no. And for me, it was a very big, after a series of events that were very heartbreaking, dropped to my knees in the living room and said, I'm done. And that's a complete sentence, bitch. I'm done. I truly 
couldn't do it anymore. I was a shell of myself. I didn't know my way back to myself at that point. I just knew that that little voice that was saying, tap out, Beck, you got to tap out. It was the first time I listened to that voice. And I know that we all have probably heard that voice time and time again. Because when you're with a narcissist, that little voice tries to creep in because we all have that within us. That's why I say that everything you need, you already have within you. But when you're with a narcissist, that voice and your truth gets masked and shoved down and quieted time and time again where the voice of the narcissist and the belief of them and their abuse is too loud for you to listen to. So until you are at a distance, mine was a very physical distance because he was no longer living on this coast, thank fuck. So I feel like that in that way I felt very safe and I just was like, I'm done. And that was truly the last time I talked to him. I just had had enough. I was broken down enough. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't, I felt like I lost connection with the people that I loved the most I lost all connection that was even remotely left with myself and I just wanted to find that again and I just had that power within me and I was like let's fuck like this is it we're done we are done you need to be done in order to save yourself or have any type of realm of self-worth you need to be done and I don't know if you believe in talking with people that have passed over, uh, but I do fully. And I talk about this in Body Bliss too, that when my grandma passed, I felt so much shame around, this is the only, I have been able to get through a lot of things. Talking about this is fine. Talking about Chaz, I don't give a fuck. I don't cry anymore. Talking about this particular situation, I still, I feel that little lump in my throat. You know what I mean? But I remember when my grandma passed that... I felt like that was a safe space to talk to her. And I just asked her, I was like, you got to help me. I have no idea what else to do. Therapy was only getting me so far at this point. And that got expensive too. And I was like, I just need the strength. And I need you to help me. And for in some way, I had faith that she was going to walk me through it. That I think helped me just utter the words, I'm done. That was all I did. I said, I'm done. And then the only other thing I said was, I never want to speak to you again. And I, because I said it calmly, I didn't yell. It wasn't, I wasn't putting up a fight in that conversation by any means. I had become an artist at keeping my cool with him. I would blow up in every other relationship. But I have learned since then that I have, I have had to keep my calm in this relationship with Chaz so much that I didn't feel safe. So I kept my calm to keep the peace. And I was blowing up and having a short temper in the relationships where I felt safe because I knew that there was love there and it was unconditional. And I think that that also plays a role with kids, too. So I know that I, I now granted I did not have kids in this situation, but oftentimes this happens with I have heard through um with narcissists that if you have kids involved sometimes if they're with the narcissist and then they come back to you and their behaviors are a little bit more rambunctious or seem a little bit more dysregulated and explosive it's ultimately not because they're quote-unquote bad with you or that you don't have proper parental management or whatever it is it's because they feel safer with you and 
that is just a little side note that I want to give to people because I know there are a lot of people listening who have reached out wanting to talk about this topic that do have kids in this situation. So I wanted to kind of give that little pinpoint out in case that is something you further um, visit and that's the situation that you eventually become involved with that might happen. So um, I know that there was one particular, I want to circle back to the therapy. There was one session where my therapist pointed out Um, How great my self-awareness was in particular in a certain situation. I was expressing what had happened and I was like, I just can't live like this anymore. And she looked at me and she said, so what do you think you want to do about that? And I just broke down because I knew that my only answer was to leave and I didn't know how. And the how is the hardest part when really the how is using your voice. The how is just trusting that Or even if you don't fully trust yourself yet, trust that you eventually will be able to trust yourself to get back on your own two feet. Because that shit is hard. Everything is figure outable. I know that you probably have people that you don't even realize that are going to love you and hold you through this time. Because walking away is the hardest part. But eventually, you have to choose you. You, you, there's no other way out of it besides choosing yourself and choosing yourself in order to also be the best version of yourself for your kids because you're teaching your kids what love looks like. You're teaching yourself what love looks like. So if you want to stop giving yourself to everyone else and drain yourself, you need to charge yourself up and become your own charging station and heal. And ultimately you cannot do that while still being involved with a narcissist. So I know that there's a lot of hard truths here. And a lot of whoa, <laughs> maybe. It, it feels like as I'm talking, it might be a little bit all over the place, but it's because there's so many different dimensions to this. I would love to like revisit this episode even deeper. Don't worry, I'm not done talking yet. <laughs> but I just would love to have other people on to talk about their experiences because I don't think it's talked about enough and there's a lot of shame circled around this where people aren't really talking about those little encounters that make such a huge difference and they build upon each other and create this huge beast and you just feel like you can't slay the beast but you can with your own voice and your own two feet and you are so capable although you have probably been told for a very long time that you are not because you standing on your own two feet scares the shit out of a narcissist, but they don't have that self-ability to acknowledge that within themselves. So ultimately, it comes down to you. And you can't be your best self while you're attached to a narcissist. And this is also goes for friendships. So after being with a narcissist, I the pendulum kind of swung in the opposite direction where I went from being extremely anxious attachment to somebody who was looking for that like external validation to the other end of I'm not doing that at all I'm gonna avoid this I'm gonna be avoidant instead of attachment because I just went through a lot and I don't want to talk to anybody about like no I'm not putting down that wall to open up my heart to anybody else right now however I will say that was a few years worth (laughs) but it was on and off for most of my 20s so Having to unpack that and really heal from that, I will say in some regard, I was really blessed to have the self-isolation of the pandemic where I had these walls and myself. And I wasn't sure if there was going to be any other time in in the future where I was going to have that time to really work on me and really work on what I want my life to look like and how I want to show up in that life. So I I feel like, yes, a lot of healing happened before the pandemic, yes. Definitely, definitely. But 
it was the catalyst for a big launch in my healing. There's no way in a million years, if you told me 10 years ago, um, or even, even eight years ago, that I would be sitting in front of a microphone talking like this, I would laugh in your face. I'm like, no way in hell. So situations that have come up since then where they're not romantic relationships, but friendships where I feel like I was being a little bit love bombed and some red flags in friendships might be like, you are the one emotionally being dumped on. And when you try and look for that emotional support in your friend and they quite literally don't have the capacity to give it to you besides like giving you maybe bumper sticker one-liners but if you just feel like you're doing a lot of the holding and not being held um that's a big red flag and if you feel the need to over explain yourself I think this goes for any relationship type of relationship but when you feel the need that you need to over explain yourself in order to have somebody understand you or that friend has a lack of ability to hold themselves accountable or when you are expressing how you're feeling it's being thrown back on you like you are the problem and ultimately, I have had situations like that come up where it was tough, but my body, I, because of all the practice I had put into re-regulating my nervous system, I am now very much aware when it's dysregulated or when my body is trying to talk to me. All of our bodies are always trying to work for us. They're not working against us, regardless of what society might be teaching us over these years, but... When I start feeling that and I need to communicate that and when I'm communicating my feelings and they are being met with such dismissiveness or aggression or it's being flipped back on me like I'm the issue. There's been times where I have needed to cut it off and be like, okay, this is not serving me. I think we have, you know, different versions of what this is going to look like. And when that person who wants to be liked so badly is going to think like, oh, wow, you know this is something that I might be losing. So I'm going to try and overcompensate with the love bombing. Or if you're somebody who wants to be liked really badly and somebody is opening up to you with all of this information or talking about their close friends and their family and you're thinking, oh, wow, you know, they must really trust me. That's how I felt. Wow, this person must really trust me if they're opening up to me like this when really it was just trauma dumping. And if they are going to be talking about their friends like that to you, you cannot expect that loyalty from that person, which I think just goes for anybody. But those are big red flags that I have learned because when you cut that off, I will say any relationship with a narcissist, friendship or relationship, when you cut them off, they are immediately going to go around and make you the bad guy because what do they need? They need the control over the narrative. They need the control over the situation. They want to be seen as the person who is quote unquote better and that's how they are. They're very good at masking it. Narcissists are very good at, at pretending like they aren't narcissists until they're really in there with you. So, whew, are we okay? How are we doing? If you need to pause at all, please do. Don't worry, I'm almost done. I don't want to make this too long for you. But essentially, acknowledging if you're anxious attachment and with a narcissist, that is the codependency cocktail of dreams. For a narcissist because they know what they can get from you and what you get from them is the fueling of all of those things like people pleasing or like they know that you're going to want to try and prove yourself to them so they're going to thrive on that they know that if they just say the right thing they're still going to have you hooked 
they know that if there's a pattern of behavior or kids involved or anything that they can use as leverage, they're going to use it to try and make you feel like the bad guy. But you're not the bad guy because just for breathing and being you, you are good enough. And you, when you learn how to like date yourself and work on yourself for a while, you eventually need to put that healing into practice, right? So when we start to do that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be with a significant other. It can just be with the relationships in your life, being more comfortable holding boundaries, communicating your needs, communicating how you're feeling. Yes, holding space for the people that you love, but maybe also communicating when you don't have that capacity to do so. Or, you know, reaching out to people when you feel like you're really struggling, and knowing that it's okay and that you, oh, you know, you kind of start to relearn those things like, oh, I will be held. My feelings do matter. The way that I communicate them does matter. And I deserve to be held and validated in those feelings in my own lived experiences. As humans, we're always looking for healing in some capacity. And I'm not saying it's always healthy, but humans are always looking for healing. So, you know, when you find yourself connected to somebody with narcissistic tendencies and after reaching this stage of healing it just you know when things don't serve you anymore you just have to know when to walk away and I knew that that's what I needed to do it was time to walk away and we all know that whether we listen to it or not is a whole other story you are deserving and you are good enough on your own and your whole self and this is why so much of what I talk about is rooted in self-love, which again, I know has been such a commercialized thing. But because when you do love yourself, you know that you're enough and you won't tolerate any type of relationship that tries to make you feel otherwise. You stop taking things so personally when you learn that narcissists' issues have everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. You can't make somebody change especially a narcissist because they don't even they won't even acknowledge that they are a narcissist so you can't work through that and you can really tell the health of a relationship with in the future with people based on how they handle conflict whereas like when I was usually very quick to defend and very reactive yes that was a bit of a trauma response but and I would also like just immediately panic that if there was a conflict, then that meant somebody wasn't going to talk to me anymore and I was going to be ex like cut off. My worst fear ever, which I don't like that feeling even now, but I, it, I don't make it so debilitating in my life where now I'm more open to having conversations and being more comfortable with conflict. However, conflict doesn't mean that it has to be met with aggression and conflict doesn't mean mean. Um, that was a, something that I really needed to learn. And again, when that has come up with friends and I was trying to communicate and conflict was just being met with constant aggression and dismissiveness and the inability to hold themselves accountable or apologize, then we're done. I'm not saying that maybe that person is not a narcissist, but there's those tendencies that are just non-negotiables for me at this point because you, I, I truly can't have a relationship with anybody who's like that. And you can be the asshole. Like, there's been times where, like, hey, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Absolutely. But how you move through those issues with the people that you love speaks volumes to your level of self-awareness and your ability to, to communicate, and you need to put that into practice. So, again, healing without changed behavior is just another form of self-abandonment. You are incredible. Yes. Yes, you are. And that part of you that shows up that doesn't serve you well is showing up for a reason and it's an opportunity to unpack it. It's not necessarily something that you're stuck with. As soon as you start saying, oh, that's just the way I am, 
There's no growth in that. If you can say, oh, here's that feeling again that isn't serving me, but it's showing up. This is giving me an opportunity to unpack it. And it's giving me an opportunity to move different. Oh, okay, this is coming up again. Let me move different. Let me not react and instead take a beat and respond from my higher self. And narcissists aren't necessarily bad people. They've just been fully consumed by their abusive protecting parts that they're never truly happy and will never have the ability to look within. Because for them, looking within is far too painful. That's why narcissists will never admit that they're narcissists. So if you're questioning it right now, you're not one. (laughs) I can guarantee you that. Um, And this is not by any means, like I said, it's not an excuse for them. It's just a way to better understand them and that they are not capable of being in a relationship. So run, girl. Heal, glow, and grow. You feel me? (laughs) I hope that this has hopefully... um, I hope that this is hopefully, I hope that this episode has maybe helped you identify the situation that you're in or maybe shed light on something that you've been struggling with and not feeling like you can fully admit. I am holding this space for you because I see you, I feel you, I I get it. And I know that there are so many different layers to it and so many different lived experiences, especially with a narcissist, that are traumatic when you are with a narcissist you are going through trauma every single day and give yourself some compassion and some grace and when that little voice creeps in again listen to her listen to her because there's going to be healing in her there's not going to be healing in this person that you're with you're never going to get there and you deserve to get there. You deserve to live a life that's so big and so loud and so filled with true, authentic love that in order to do that, you got to find that healing within yourself so that you know what that looks like externally because you've done the work internally. And I would love to continue talking about this in other realms. I'm sure it'll come up again. But I also kind of wanted to dive deep on this because the word narcissist is thrown around a lot. And as you can tell from this episode, and I'm sure I'd even touch on everything, that um, there is very deep traumas attached to narcissist behaviors. So, or personality disorder. So, you are worthy. Even on the days where it's harder to remember it, you are capable of getting out of this situation And acknowledging you're in it is truly the hardest part. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, wow, I'm in this. How do I get out of it? One step at a time. One baby step at a time. And I hope that you have a person or a circle of people or a therapist that will help you navigate this because you deserve it. You deserve this healing and you deserve healthy love in all areas of your life. So that's also part of being great. And I'm here if you need to reach out or need a soundboard. I'm not necessarily going to need to always give advice. I've learned that the hard way. But if you need someone to just hear you and help hold you in this space, I am here for you. Slide into my DMs. You can email gobegreatpod at gmail.com. And again, acknowledging it is half the battle. So shake your ass. Go be great.